G'day, what's up? It's Aiden Jones here. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 31st of August, 2021. How the fuck are you? I hope you're good, man. I hope you are. I don't know. If you're in lockdown, I hope you're doing okay. If you're not in lockdown, fuck you. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for listening wherever you're at. And... um, Oh, nice little sip of tea there. I reckon I made it the perfect amount of time from when I made the tea, the water that was just hot, but like, anyway. Um, this week I'm going to talk about, uh, so last week I spoke about the calling and the week before I spoke about doing stand-up for 10 years and I was thinking I, I want to, you know, keep this theme going and talking about stuff to take my mind off the lockdown or else that's all I'm going to talk about. And um, last week at work... I was uh, I worked with this young kid, kid I guess I don't know he was nineteen, first year out of school. Which by the way, oh my god, imagine that! I was talking to this dude about like he had year twelve last year in twenty twenty, and it's just I've I'd never I'd not met someone who had been you know you read that's like half of the discourse in the news is like what's going on with year twelve students and this kid did year twelve last year, and he was saying everyone was just like it's supposed to be the best year of your life, you know, everyone's hyping you about it. It's going to be so much fun. You're going to love it. And it just was the worst year ever. And he, uh, it, it gave me a little bit of perspective, you know, stop whinging about my boy. I can't do stand up. It sucks that I can't do stand up, but you know, this kid had a fucking thing taken away from him too. And I guess the difference is that he never will get that back. He'll never be able to do your 12 again. So that was tough. But anyway, um, <laughs> I'm trying to not talk about the pandemic, um, we, uh, we did our jobs. We had a, yeah, we had a hard day actually. Um, but we kind of, we got it done. We worked good and you know, it was like a, a, it was one of those days where you get to the end of it and you're like, fucking, we did some good work today, man. I felt good about it. And, um, at one point in the day earlier on, we had been listening to Double J and, uh, the song Halftime by Nas came on. So, uh, and I was hot, you know, I'm just like, fuck, yes, man. Like, when do you ever hear some fucking Nas Illmatic playing on the radio? And um, so I was just like, I immediately just went into old man telling a story mode. With this oh, you don't know that this album in 1994 changed hip hop. <laughs> Which, I mean, I wasn't even alive then. Oh, I was alive, but I wasn't even like cognizant. Like, what the fuck do I know? But I just started rambling at this kid about like how important Illmatic was. And do you know who Nas is? And he didn't know who Nas was. He was like, oh, I like Wu-Tang Clan. And I was like, sick. Yes. That's fine. It's a start. And uh, that was halfway through the day. And then we said at the end of the day, what we're going to do is he'll link his phone up to the Bluetooth and, um, and we'll fucking play. I was like, man... I was like, bro, can you please play New York State of Mind? I can rap the whole song, I swear. (laughs) As if that's like a thing for him to look forward to. (laughs) Hey, kid, this fucking 30-year-old man is going to rap a song you've never heard. (laughs) In its entirety, both verses. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, but no N words, no N words. I'll bleep out the N words. I'll just I'll say silent on the N word. That's how you know. That's how you know that you really know how to rap the full verse of a song when you even know when to be quiet to not say the N word. That's when you're like, you know what? I'm fucking old school. <laughs> so um, yeah, we did that. We linked up his thing and. And uh, we played, what was it? We did New York State of Mind and then he put on Cream. And then I said, fuck, what song did I fucking cheat? I can't remember what song I teed up. And then he put on um, 93 Till Infinity by The Souls of Mischief, which fucking surprise, surprise, young blood. I know all the words of that one too. <laughs> and oh man, there was a lot in um, in uh, Cream. There's that line. So I went with a sick ass click. So I got with a thick ass click and went all out. I did that lie. I like felt it coming and I like did it and I just fucking started laughing because I was so pumped. I was so pumped. But anyway, I'm not going to talk about all of that. We did a few others. I did uh, Come Clean, Jerry the Damager. Oof. Um, I was My next one was going to be Speed Law by Most Deaf, but we got back to the depot before we put that. But nevertheless, we had a good little sesh. And uh, every song that I put on, I had to be like, man, like, trust me, dude, you know, in my life, I've listened to... <laughs> I don't know what it is about just being older than someone that you suddenly I'm just like, all right, man, buckle up, kid. Let me tell you how it is. I could just get into complete condescension mode, but um, it was nice, man. It was nice to share that. And then, okay, so Illmatic for me was like the first hip hop album that I ever listened to, I reckon, after the Hilltop Hoods and like realizing that that was a music that I liked. I was like, okay, let me find. I remember we got internet when I was like 14 and uh, which was, which is like, it was late. That was late. All right. That was 2005. Yes. It was very late. I remember we had a CD, like a CD ROM for the computer and it was like from like Big Pond and it was like, welcome to the internet. <laughs> You like put it in you. We had it in our house for like six months and I'd just been looking at it. But like, you know, I guess my parents, like we didn't have like the money to get the internet yet or something and they didn't want to just get dial up. I think we went straight to ADSL and um, yeah, we just, I just had this CD and I kept being like, maybe if I just put the CD in the computer, like that's the internet and then they'll just get charged and like, I'll be able to be like, oh no, like I didn't understand that you had to actually connect a thing, whatever. Um, but I, around when I was 14, I started like, you know, there's like all the samples on the calling, the Hilltop Hoods stuff. And I reckon, I guess I just probably heard them talk about it in some interview or watching like Triple J interviews with other rappers and stuff. I just had heard somewhere I knew that like America, specifically New York was the place where like all the good hip hop happened. And somehow I stumbled my way onto, I reckon I would have downloaded on LimeWire and I downloaded, um, I don't know if I downloaded all of Illmatic or just a few songs, but New York State of Mind was the one for me, man. And I love DJ Premier. DJ Premier was like my first, you know, I heard about him and then I just looked up all the tracks that he produced and um, I don't, I was, I've been trying to think, well, first of all, I always like, and I went on all these like hip hop message boards and I, it was like just all of the 
discourse was like Illmatic is the greatest album of all time. And in the mid-2000s, everyone was like harking back to the golden era, the nostalgic era that everyone wanted to be a part of was the 90s and like New York in the 90s. And there was like Big L and Tribe Called Quest and Biggie and Tupac and all those guys. And everyone would, would always say and – Illmatic, that's the greatest album ever, period. That's what I told the kid in the in the truck as well. I was like, everyone used to say, when I was like a teenager reading hip-hop message boards, the consensus was Illmatic is the greatest album of all time. And um, it was funny. I had this moment with the, with the kid where like, um, you know, we're driving back and and I'm, <laughs> I'm just rapping all the words <laughs> and he's just kind of sitting there. But like I got the vibe that he was digging it as well, which was sick. I mean, I don't know how he felt about me rapping, but but the music felt like he was into the music. And at one point he said, um, which is such a young dude thing to say, he turned to me and he was like, man, how sick would it have been to like be around like when this music was coming out, you know? And um, it kind of caught me off guard that he said that because I wasn't thinking that at all. I was just thinking this is good music and I'm glad that I can enjoy it and share it with someone. But I remembered thinking that when I was a kid, like when I was a teenager being like, fuck, man, I missed it, you know? I th- I wish I was around when all of this was coming out. And um, hearing him say that made me think how interesting it is or like how – what am I trying to say? Hearing him say that made me think of how at some point I used to think that and now I don't think that. And so at some time in the intervening 15 years, I guess I've grown to appreciate like the thing that's happening now or maybe I just feel because I'm an artist that I want to be putting stuff out which is more grounded in the present rather than enjoying the shit that happened in the past. But Illmatic, the stuff that I've been reading about it this week because I've done a bit of research – um, to try and just immerse myself in the album, I guess. And um, the opening track that I've never really given any kind of heed to before, the Genesis, it's almost two minutes. It's not quite two minutes. And it's like, you know, it's his verse on uh, live. At, is it live at the barbecue? I think it's called live from the barbecue. Or so it's whatever the track that he guessed it on first. Uh, when I was 12, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus, that line that is like, I've always kind of read that that line in his verse that was like the first guest verse that he ever did on a track period was like a huge thing. And people talk about how hard he came out. When I was 12, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus, that that was like a big thing at the time. People were like, whoa, this guy's crazy. He wants to kill Jesus. Verbal assassin, my have a love of these. I don't even know the other, I don't even know the first line of the couplet. Um, but that, so it has that at the start of the Genesis. And then it has this like, dun, 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 this theme. And uh, I looked it up and that's from Wild Style, which is a hip hop documentary from 1982. And there's another one called Style Wars, which I've watched before, but I watched again. So there's these two, right? There's Wild Style, which is not a documentary. It's more of like a, um, like, I guess it's got a narrative, but also there's like whole five minute sections where nothing's happening. And it's just like a bunch of dudes at a party, you know, like B-boys, like dancing and stuff. Um, So that, Wild Style 1982, and then Style Wars from 1983 are these two 
they're really similar and they both capture this period of like New York in the early 80s and listening for the first time properly to the first track of Illmatic and hearing how he takes the the theme that he plays dun, 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 uh, uh, and it's just got this beat behind it and it's really it kind of sounds corny almost it's like very 80s that's the theme from wild style that keeps playing through the movie it's like the it's the theme of the movie and um I guess it's – and then there's like a little uh, – there's a little excerpt from the start of the movie as well where this kid comes home and his older brother's been away in the army and he's like, you better get yourself a job. I can't remember exactly what the word – but he's just like his older brother who's been in the army has come back from the army and he's like chastising this, you know, young dude for just going out and spray painting train cars and stuff all the time. And um, and then the movie kind of ensues. This is Wild Style, the 1982 one, kind of unfolds from there. And it's like this young kid who is uh, just, you know, bombing train cars in New York and he's like 17 or some shit. And he is – no one knows who this like sick tag is or whatever. He like does the best – I can't remember what his name is, but he does the best pieces and no one knows, but it's him secretly. And then he gets the girl and whatever. The story's crap, but the the – the the value of the thing is there are all of these scenes of like just parties and just like you know b-boys rapping and people dancing and um you see the kind of graffiti that they were doing and it's like a window back into this hip-hop culture which as you can see from the first i can't believe i'm breaking it down like a fucking like a um oh my god like an academic right now. I feel like I'm being really academic about this. As you can see from the reference in NASA's uh, first true... But you can. Um, he referenced the fact that he's referencing this movie. It's like he was 19 when Illmatic came out. This is some shit from his childhood that he loved that influenced how the album came out and you know the album cover is a picture of him at nine years old like he's saying the whole thing is like it's him being nostalgic for growing up in where he grew up and so it's like okay if you want to see where he grew up and what he's talking about in the album watch these fucking movies and you can see the world that he's talking about and uh it was really inspiring watching the two i watched one on wednesday and one on thursday and um just like like in the in the first one with the narrative the kid his whole thing is just like you know I'm just doing this because I love to do it and in in the 1983 one Star Wars which is a documentary they interview these kids there's one scene where one of the kids he's standing in the back like in his kitchen of his house of like the flat that they live in or whatever and his mum's on a on the kitchen chair sitting in front of him and they're both looking at the camera and um He's just talking, you know, his mom's just going like, oh my God, like, I don't know what to fucking do with him. He's going out, he's painting all these cars, he's going to get arrested, you know, but he just fucking, he says that he needs to do it, which is a very familiar dynamic from my life because that's, I reckon if my mom had had a camera stuck in her face when I was 17, she would have fucking said some shit like that. I don't know what he's doing, but he fucking, he's doing it. (laughs) And uh, and the kid standing behind her just kind of grumpily just going like, I don't fucking care. He's like, he's so pure. He's going like, I don't care. It's not about money. It's not about so other people can see it or I can be famous. It's just for other people who do this so they can see it and they can know that I did it. 
And what he's ba- what I've kind of got from what he's saying and what both of these movies were portraying is that like this graffiti and like they're both centered on graffiti, but if you zoom out a little, hip hop culture in general at that period when it was first starting wasn't about selling records or or you know selling fucking graffiti on canvas artworks or like whatever it was just about doing the thing it was about it was it's just they paint a picture of a very pure and um like almost like art for art's sake or the pursuit of the thing just for the sake of it period in in history in this corner of the world this like new york in the early 80s um yeah, man, there was one. There was one bit in Wild Style where it's like um, it's just a party. It must be five minutes. Nothing happens that's got anything to do with the movie. I feel like the movie is just an excuse to show us all this fucking cool footage from New York at that time and like the developing hip hop culture. Then, God, I feel so fucking white saying that the developing hip hop culture. Um. The uh, nascent uh, stylings of the young urban youth in the period between 1981 and 1984. Ugh. <laughs> like, this is exactly whose hands it was supposed not to fall into. Um, there's this one, this one scene in Wildstyle when, uh, you know, there's a few bits peppered through the movie where, like, the the MCs are on stage and they're just rapping, but in that really early style where they're not even it's not even really about them. They're not the center. I've read so much about hip hop, like, you know, over the course of the last 15 years since I got into it, about how like when MCs first started, they weren't there. I feel like I fucking understood something about hip hop for the first time this week reading about this album. The MCs originally weren't, it was just a party and the DJ was, you know, had the same two records and it was like switching between the two to keep on the break because that was the cool bit of the song that everyone could dance to and they just wanted to dance. So they would find those bits, buy the same record twice and then fade between the two so you could just get the and just keep that going or whatever it was. And then the MC was this guy with a microphone who would just say stuff to encourage people to dance, you know. Oh, it's the fucking time to dance if you want to if you want to go and I'm rapping here and the liberty bell or whatever. <laughs> oh my god. That was it's <laughs> like the most embarrassing thing <laughs> that's ever come out of my mouth. <gasps> oh, oh my god. And you're rapping here. <laughs> Fuck me. It's harder than it looks. Guys, it is harder than it looks. <laughs> so anyway, they're just saying stuff to get people to keep dancing and encouraging people to keep dancing. And, you know, maybe little jokes or little bits of wordplay or if he said something good, that would make people notice. But I kind of saw that for the first time when I was watching Wildstyle. I saw it and I was like, oh, it's only one step from like that guy doing that to maybe he just tells a story about his day. You know, maybe something happened to him that day. Maybe he got in a fight or maybe the cops chased him or maybe he was fucking, you know, had a fight with his girlfriend or his fucking mum or whatever. Maybe he's got a kit. Who knows what this guy's life is, but it's just one step from going like, yeah, it's time to dance or whatever. 
hey, let's dance, and I'm rapping, and here we are, we're all here, we're all dancing. It's only one step to, man, I fucking had a shit day today, my fucking girlfriend's fucking some other dude, and I love her, but I fucking hate her at the same time, like, and I guess no one in Wildstyle was doing that, but I kind of, for the first time, I guess just watching it put into perspective all this stuff that I've ever read about it, watching it made me go like, oh, fuck, and then, you know, it's only one step from that to like, Nas and Illmatic painting a picture of his life growing up in in the fucking Queensbridge projects and just putting it on a record. I saw it for the first time. <sighs> um, so yeah, I've listened to the album a bunch this week and I've kind of read a bunch about it. Um, but Queensbridge, I guess just a few facts that I've learned. The Queensbridge Projects was the biggest projects in America. I think this could be wrong, but off the top of my head, I want to say there were 7,000 people living there, which is insane. And there were like a, there was like five towers or something. And um, like New York State of Mind was the one that I always, that I heard for, that was the first one that I loved. And I don't even remember, I don't remember what drew me to it. And I was, I think it was just because he's angry. I think I could just hear some sort of anger in his voice that I connected to because I felt angry. I don't know what I was angry about growing up. I still am angry. I think, I don't know. I don't fucking know. It's not about me. But I connected to, I connected to something that he was talking about and I just, and I fucking, I, I, I can't remember a time now when I didn't know all the words to that song. I loved it. But then I remember reading on message boards, you know, like there was another message board. I remember some guy writing once, like everyone on this fucking message board can wrap the words to halftime front to back with their eyes closed. And that I was like, oh, I don't like the song halftime. That wasn't really my jam. I was more of like a New York state of mind. That was my, the one that I got. Another memory I had with it though was like when I was 19 and I moved out of home for the first time into this fucking disgusting <laughs> place that the guys who owned the nightclub that I worked in they owned it and they were knocking it down so they just took a hundred bucks out of our pay each week to let us live there and we graffitied the walls and everything and in my room I wrote the words to the first verse of the world is yours which did I pull it up did I pull it up here when I remember them I did my research <laughs> I did. I sipped the Dom P watching Gandhi till I'm charged, then writing in my book of rhymes all the words past the margin to hold the mic come throb and mechanical movement, understandable smooth shit the murderers move with, the thief's theme. Oh, man. And this line, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Is it the third verse? It is. Um, I'm the young city bandit, hold myself down single-handed. For murder raps, I kick my thoughts alone, get remanded. Born alone, die alone. My crew to keep my crown or throne. I'm deep, my sound alone. Caved inside, a thousand miles from home. I need a new N-word for this black cloud to follow. Because while it's over me, it's too dark to see tomorrow. I'm trying to maintain, I flip. Fill the clip to the tip. Picture on my peeps. Now the income make my heartbeat skip. Like, just, oh man. Something about that. Uh, I need a new... For this black cloud to follow because when it's over me it's too dark to see tomorrow it's like he's talking about growing up in these fucking projects that actually wasn't the bit that i was looking for i was looking for the bit when he says born alone die alone oh wait i did say that didn't i born alone die alone no crew to keep my crown or throne but that whole thing man like the fact that he's saying need a new for this black cloud to follow that's quite depressive it's like he's saying i got a black cloud over me 
but he never lets it slip into like feeling morose or melancholy for himself. But it is really, it's like, while it's over me, it's too dark to see tomorrow. I can't see tomorrow. Where I'm growing up is so crazy. I can't see tomorrow. I don't know what the future holds for me. It's grim, but he doesn't dwell on it. I really like that. And he's kind of angry about it. But that born alone, die alone. I remember when I was in that house, uh, me and my girlfriend broke up for like the millionth time or whatever. And uh, I got drunk and wrote on the kitchen floor, (laughs) just in green paint pen, over and over again, born alone, die alone, like hundreds of times. And just, you know, like, <laughs> born alone, die alone. <laughs> and um, my housemate coming home and seeing me just like fucking with a bottle of vodka in at, on, at like 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning, like <laughs> coming in and seeing that and just going, oh, my God, taco. Oh, like, you okay, mate? Uh, there was something about that. Something about that, like I was quite a dramatic kid, I guess. So I was really able to connect with the like the sentiment of like born alone, die alone, you know, for this black cloud to follow because while it's over me, it's too dark to see tomorrow. It's like, you know, Nas was talking about growing up in the biggest projects in America. I was talking about me and my girlfriend broke up. <laughs> So I'm going to go back to my share house and, and graffiti the floor. <laughs> but you know what, man? We It's the same feeling. That, I think, is the reality of why I connected with it so much is because, like, I, I didn't come from that place, you know. I'm not black. I'm not from America. I didn't grow up in the projects. None of that. But the feeling in there was a feeling that for some reason I still like I had it inside of me and I I felt like I understood it even if I probably didn't in the way that he was saying it. And um, I had an interesting one last night. I think about this. I know I'm trying to not talk about lockdown but this is interesting. I had a friend um, message me from out of town yesterday talking about how, you know, I'm setting up my – my uh, table in my driveway on the weekend and putting comedian giving up free jokes and putting that online. And then when people come by, I tell them jokes and it's been really nice. And I've been doing that for three weeks in a row now. And I had it filmed this week and my friend was like, Hey man, I really like, I love seeing how adaptable you are to this shitty situation. It's really cool. That was all she said. And I, like it's a nice thing to say, but I kind of felt this because I just feel so I just feel this latent anger all the time about being in lockdown. So I kind of shot back at her. Um and I did apologize afterwards, but I was kind of like, yeah, thank you. Like I appreciate that. But also, as much as I am adapting, I'm also really hurting and I feel angry. And most nights I want to cry and I feel like I'm losing my mind. I don't know what to fucking do. So Thank you for saying that I'm adapting, but also I want you to know that that doesn't mean that I'm in any way enjoying this or that it's good or that it's not fucked because it's fucked. And, um, you know, I kind of, and then straight away I was like, hey man, I'm sorry for lashing out when you just complimented me on a thing. I guess I just, I want to drive the point home that as much as I'm trying to make the best of a shitty situation, let's not lose sight of the fact that it is 
a shitty situation and that made me think of like you know this anger that i feel well fuck that's probably what it's like growing up in these like that anger you probably get that anger from growing up in a a fucking tower block full of seven thousand people who are all struggling who all are fucking broke you know just trying to get out of there trying to survive as best they can look after their families and there's like crime and violence and scary shit and then someone, you know, people like don't know what it's like. I, I don't I don't know if anyone was ever actually asking him what it's like. But this kind of this album kind of feels the whole album is like a picture of like this is what it's like, right? This is what my life has been like. And all I have is these words that I write. That's like half of the shit, you know, there's oh in New York State of Mind full of black rats trapped. I love that line full of black rats trapped plus the island is packed for what I hear in all the stories when my people come back black I'm living where the nights is jet black young fiends fight to get Mac I just max with dreams I can set back and lamp like a poem with drug scripts sewn on the legal luxury life rings flooded with stones I got too many rhymes I don't think I'm too sane life is parallel to hell but I must maintain ah life is parallel to hell but I must maintain um, it's like he's saying like, this is where I live. This is where I come from and it's fucked. And this is all I have is just this, you know, my fucking rhymes, the writing, my stories, all this stuff. And the anger that as I understand it, or as I'm trying to understand it now is like, I'm giving you this picture of where I come from and I'm, you know, and you like it and you enjoy it. And that's great. But never forget that as much as you might enjoy it and that you think that what I'm doing is good and, you know, good on you for getting out of the shit situation, it's still shit and I'm still fucking angry. Like there's, I read, I mean, again, what a white way to see, what a fucking privileged way, lens through which to view this album. But there's uh, the article on Pitchfork that I read highlighted something that I'd never really given much thought to before either. So I dug into this story. He keeps talking about his friend Ill Will. There's another line, I'm dedicated to do this for all the peeps who never made it. Um, and he, he mentions his friend Ill Will a few times and like rest in peace. And uh, evidently Ill Will was his mate who, he start, who lived in the projects as well, like a few floors above him. And uh, they were the same age and they became, they were like, they were best friends. And they started making music together and Nas was rapping and Will was making beats. And then... When they were like 17, I think it was, um, they were like just having a barbecue, you know, and they were drinking and someone came down and started yelling at them for some fucking whatever and uh, his friend Will went back at this lady and then her fucking people came out and shot him and he died. Like he's dead, like Nas's best friend died because of the place where they grew up and because it's just fucked and they went to the hospital and... And, you know, they were yelling at the people in the in the emergency room to look at him and he, he died in the emergency room. He saw his best friend die. They were having a barbecue and then his mate got shot and then they were in the hospital and he fucking died. And, like, and now he's, like, making, you know, the best album ever, according to people on a hip-hop forum in 2005. <laughs> and... um I just think like there must have been a lot of fucking anger there and that anger doesn't go away just because you made a great album, you know? 
in the same way, and I know I'm belittling it by even making the comparison, but in the same way that my anger at lockdown doesn't go away just because once a week I had the idea to go and sit out in my driveway and, and ask people to walk by so I can tell them jokes. <sighs> so, yeah. Another song that I've... Uh, uh, it, it, the interesting thing about this album as well is there's actually... It's a short album and there's still a few tracks that I would skip and I don't even know what they're called. Halftime's one of them. That was the main, the big single in 92, but I, I don't really love it that much. That just never, you know... It was good and I know it and I know a few of the lines from it because I've listened to the album enough, but I wouldn't be able to say that I could, I know all the words. I, look, I'm, I wouldn't be able to rap that one, all right, guys? <laughs> I just, I can't rap that one. Um, what have I got here? Oh, yeah, here's another thought, here's another thought about it. I remember when I was 19 and uh, I, no, I wasn't 19, I was 21 and I was dating this girl who was 19. I just moved to Melbourne and uh, I was like big into Biggie at that point and I was telling her that I love Biggie and um, it was the first time I'd ever kind of been challenged on, you know, why I love this music because this girl who I respected, who was really fucking smart, I was like, oh, you know, I love Biggie, you know, do you know, and she was like, oh, yeah, I've listened to some of his stuff and she goes, yeah, just, I don't know, I can't listen to it too much because it just really makes me sad. And I was like, what? What do you mean? It makes you sad. She was like, yeah, like the stuff that he's, you know, like he's like rapping with all this bravado about this life. But the only reason he has to do that is because the place that he comes from is so fucked. And he just, you know, it just makes me sad knowing that it's this young man. I kind of heard, I kind of remember even exactly what she said, but the way I heard it was like, you know, I guess biggie and a lot of these guys with all the bravado come off as like really strong and and cool and they're glamorizing this lifestyle but what she was saying was like i don't actually hear it as them glamorizing this lifestyle at all and it's just really sad that this is the only way that they can feel safe and feel good is by putting on this front of like i'm gonna fucking kill you you know like if someone's if, if if someone's a rapper and they're talking about how they're going to kill you and they've got guns and all this stuff, why are they talking about that? Because where they came from, if you don't talk like that, people think you're weak. So you have to talk like that. Um, and I just never considered that before. I'd never considered feeling sad because the only reaction, the, the only way that I, the, the way that I connected to this music was like, I'm angry and these people are angry. So, you know, I'm just, that's how I feel it. And so I'm going to say when I learn the words and I say them, I can say them with the same feeling that I hear them when he raps them and I can feel my angry feelings and they give me a way to like get those feelings out. But this girl, I guess she didn't feel the same way that I did in my life. And so when she heard these things, she wasn't like finally someone saying how I feel. She just heard, oh, here's a young man who has comes from a really shitty place and that makes me feel sad um yeah i don't know really what i want to say about that but isn't that cool um the last song i i I connected with the album again recently with ilmatic again recently because of the song represent and i can't believe like i'd listened to the album so many times but i'd never really listened to that song until last year in lockdown i was walking around the park and um i just i 
I don't even know what it was. Just for some reason, I just decided to listen to that song. Maybe I'd heard it somewhere or something. And uh, it's fucking, it's got such a good beat. It's so good. And it's a bit more of a straight up, straight up shit is real in any day. Oh, I love that. Straight up shit is real in any day could be your last in the jungle. I shouldn't even do the accent. I feel like that's somehow offensive. Get murdered on the humble guns will blast. Guns will blast and words tumble. The corners is the hot spot full of mad criminals who don't care. Guzzle and beers. We all stare at the out-of-towners. They better break north before we get the four-pounders and take their face off. The streets is real with undercovers, homicide, chasing brothers. The DA's on the roof trying to watch us and knock us. Ugh. Just, it's just good shit, you know? Him and his mates sitting on the fucking stoop, drinking and staring at people who don't belong. Get the fuck away. This is our place. Yeah, I, I I just I just fucking love it. I think the reason that I um wait, I'm just gonna read my notes here. Have I missed anything? Dun, 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 dun. Lockdown connected to the aggression. Yes, I did. Wrote the lyrics to the thing in my first fucking share house. Yes. Um. Yeah. What I what I, what I said to that kid because we were driving in the truck, and um we were listening to all this hip hop and it, like, cause it all kind of comes from the same place for me, you know, that like nineties hip hop, it's all, uh, they're all different and whatever. And they all got different stories. But for me, it's all, you know, it's like the same era. It all falls under the same umbrella. And I asked this kid cause he said, wouldn't it have been cool to be around when this was all coming out? And, uh, and I realized that I don't feel that anymore, which was kind of, I was like, I guess I've matured and I've stopped pining for a time that's gone and realized that it's important to create your own thing, right? I'm never going to be in New York in 1994. At this rate, I'm never even going to be able to go to fucking New York. <laughs> but um, I do have the capacity to change my own life right now. And, and so that's why I, I no longer feel like that. That was a cool reminder. But I did want to ask him, because he's 19 and it's been another 15 years since when I got into it and he's 19 now and I was so stoked that he was still I'm like that there's that there's people out there still listening to this stuff that I'm not just an old man you know harping on about the fucking song because like when I used to read those forums in the mid 2000s there were people on there going ah this is bullshit the real golden era was the late 80s and that was like ruck him and uh i and i and like fucking who else was it um fuck fear of a black planet uh god i can't even remember that's that was never my shit but there were guys on those forums going you guys don't even know this isn't the real golden era the real golden era was way back when and it is there is a sadness there's like a desperate kind of sadness to just someone going you don't even know this isn't the music it was all back then it all happened which is another reason why I don't like to sit and dwell about why I wasn't there and whatever. But it was cool to to be like, fuck, okay, it's not just me. I don't like this stuff just because I grew up on it. I do. There is like some fucking goodness in it, you know, and to have a young person validate that felt cool. So I was like, who do you listen to this stuff with? Is there people, list are they still listening to it now? Are people still listening to it now, you know? <laughs> Is Nas still cool? Am I still cool? <laughs> and he was like, I, not a lot, man. Like my older brother and a few friends, but um, not a lot of people. 
<sighs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It was really nice that moment that I had with that with that dude who uh I otherwise really had like not a lot in common with other than that we're both working on removals that one day and did this fucking job together and then drove back in the truck and listens to hip listen to hip hop from the nineties for half an hour. But that half an hour we we, we fucking really connected and I felt good, like, you know, rapping all the fucking lyrics to New York State of Mind. I wasn't embarrassed. And uh, and that feels really nice. So uh, that's all I got to say about that, I reckon. It's a great album. I love it forever. It was the first... It was the first... I remember it feeling important because I found it myself. I remember f- I found New York State of Mind. No one showed it to me. And a lot like when you find a cafe for the first time or like now that's something for me when I find a cafe and no one told me about it and I go there myself and find it it just always holds a different place for me than when someone else shows it when someone else shows me it, it's cool and I share that thing with them but when I find it myself it's like that's mine you know and that's how I feel about Illmatic the album and specifically the song New York State of Mind it's very special to me um Oh, when there used to be hip-hop karaoke in Melbourne, that was the song that I picked to rap. And there's a fucking... I'm going to put that picture up on the Instagram. There's a picture of me with the with a fucking short sleeve white shirt with the fucking things rolled up. And uh, I'm just in the middle of rapping New York State of Mind and there's a crowd in front of me. And that was a fucking banger of a Tinder picture for a while, man. I look so hot. (laughs) I look so hot. Hotter than I've ever looked doing stand-up, 100%. (laughs) Anyway, um, if you guys would like this, check out the Instagram, sitting under podcast, at sitting under podcast for um, the pictures every week and a few little fucking extra things if I can think of them that week. Um, I uh, Also, my Instagram, Aiden Jones Comedy. Um, In a couple weeks, I'm going to be putting out the video my mate came around and filmed me doing jokes to people on the pavement this week. Um, and they are the, the very talented Sal Hicks. Um, they're editing that together, which should be out by the end of next week. So like, you know, the fucking 11th of September. Dun, dun, dun. Um, other than that, if you guys are like this, please, uh, leave a five star review on iTunes. Fucking do it. And, uh, tell someone, if you reckon someone else might like this um, or if you listen to this one for the first time, last week I did uh, The Calling by the Hilltop Hoods. The week before I talked about how I've been doing stand-up for 10 years. I'm trying to talk about different things every week that I love to take my mind off of the fucking insane drudgery that is our lives in a pandemic. So um, thank you guys for listening and I'll catch you next week. This has been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Peace.